0: In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Hey, everyone. This is Tara, the producer. We want to thank HEB for making today's podcast possible. HEB makes it a priority to get involved and make a difference in the lives of friends and neighbors. HEB Operation Appreciation is a company-wide campaign created to honor the brave men and women of the U.S. Armed Forces, men and women who are HEB partners and customers, friends and family. Operation Appreciation partners with organizations like us, the Military Child Education Coalition that supports U.S. troops and their families. In contributing time, talent and financial support, HEB recognizes and appreciates the dedication and sacrifices service members make on behalf of the nation. For our listeners in Texas, check out one of your neighborhood H-E-B grocery stores. Thank you again, H-E-B. Also listeners, I wanna let you know that this podcast was recorded at our national training seminar last summer in Washington, D.C. The hotel was under construction, so know that there is a little bit of background noise and some murmuring because we did record this live at NTS, but I think you'll still enjoy the interview with Anne Fischel, family therapist, author of Home for Dinner, and also co-founder of the nonprofit, The Family Dinner Project. Welcome to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. I'm Tara Gleason, and I'm your host. I'm an parent educator. I'm a military spouse and also a parent. I'm also the new producer of our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Today, joining me is Dr. Ann Fischel. She's the Director of Family and Couples Therapy Program at Massachusetts General Hospital. She's also the Associate Clinical Professor in Psychology at Harvard Medical School. She's also an author. She's going to share a little bit about her book with us in just a little bit. And Anne talks about harnessing the power of family dinners to create strong and healthy families. So Anne, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: It's a delight to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: And she's also one of our main speakers at the National Training Seminar. And last night, I heard you say that you would be out of business as a family therapist if more families had a family dinner.
1: Yeah, I say that only half-jokingly, but I think many of the uh, goals that I I try to accomplish in family therapy could also um, be handled around the dinner table. Um, And there's research to back that up. When families have regular family dinners, they uh, have lower rates of violence, of um, early sexual behavior, of substance abuse, of tobacco use, lower rates of depression and anxiety, lower rates of eating disorders, all the, many of the things that I'm trying to um, make happen in family therapy.
0: And what makes those family dinners so protective and effective?
1: Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. and. Um, I think there are a lot of things to point to. The first is to say what it isn't about, and I think it's not about sharing a poor shoulder. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really not essentially about the food. Food brings everybody to the table, but it's what happens around the table that is so powerful. And there actually have been a couple of research studies to suggest that it's the atmosphere, whether. If it's warm and welcoming, if kids are encouraged to talk and to be listened to, this is really um, what makes it effective. And beyond that, um, there are nutritional benefits. Um, There are uh, fewer calories in home cooked meals compared to restaurant meals. Um, Their kids tend to eat more fruits and vegetables if they eat home cooked meals. They grow up to be young adults who eat more healthily if they had. Uh, family dinners growing up and I think that that comes from um, eating more mindfully when Mm -hmm. you're sitting with others and you're talking you don't just gobble things up without realizing that oh maybe I'm full and I could stop. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's where some of the nutritional benefits come from it's really secondary to the conversation but maybe the main magic of family dinner comes from the conversation and connecting. and um, In 21st century America, where we don't have many other reliable opportunities to get together as a family, we don't farm together much anymore or quilt on the porch, dinner is really the most uh, predictable time of the day for kids to... Tell how their days were and to feel that their parents are up to speed with what's going on in their lives and I think when kids feel connected to their parents that's enormously protective Um, and then there are two other things that I think go into what makes dinner so powerful Um, one is that it's a ritual and rituals are wonderful for adults as well as kids rituals are things that we can um, anticipate, that are steady and consistent. Um, They have properties to them that we make up differently each night. We don't know exactly what the food will be or what we'll talk about, but some things remain the same. We tend to sit in the same seats around the dinner table. It's usually around the same time of day, in the same place, and that's comforting, I think.
0: I believe that's really important for our military families and kids who are highly mobile, moving all the time. Those rituals and routines are that steady factor. Yes. So I feel like that plays directly into that.
1: I think that's so true. And I've been struck during my time here how much how many new things I've learned from military families, because I think they're um, they've had to be extra resourceful to create rituals that are both consistent, but also that change when a family member is deployed, Mm -hmm. Um, and all kinds of strategies I've heard about um, from uh, Skyping with a a parent who's not there, or sharing dinner conversation by email, and then having it back and forth during the day or during the week. Um, One woman had me autograph a book to her and her two sons, and it said, Operation Dinner, mm-hmm. um, and she was anticipating a year with her husband deployed, mm-hmm. and she wanted to have um, my book as inspiration for them for the year, so that they would stick with having family dinners.
0: And it, ha- it has so many great tips in there, and conversation starters, and things that families can do, so I think that's an excellent resource that family military families could use to you know, motivate them to stay with these family dinners. So on that line of thought, what is considered a family dinner and what isn't? Yes. Are there rules to this family dinner thing? Uh, um, there,
1: I don't like to think of rules, but uh, they're suggestions. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I was at a doing a community dinner through the Family Dinner Project, um, and one 10-year-old boy said to me, does it count as a family dinner if we have dinner when my father is deployed?" And I said, of course that counts. Any dinner that includes a parent and a child is a family dinner. Could be a uh, dinner with two people, as long as they're eating and conversing with one another. Um, other families have asked, does it count if it is takeout? Um, and I. I would say, you know, that counts too. There may not be the same nutritional benefits, but the mental health benefits and the cognitive benefits would come along with a takeout dinner mm-hmm. as well as a dinner from scratch. Um, other families say, "Is it okay if we keep the TV on?" And there, I get a little more squirmy mm-hmm. because um, there is research that suggests that when the TV is on, kids. Eat a lot more. Um, it's really not as healthy. And of course, TV interrupts conversation, which is the, the secret sauce of dinner. It's really what makes it so beneficial. Um, and then I, I had a parent recently say to me um, he was raised in a family where he wasn't allowed to eat and talk at the same time. Um, should he repeat that with his kids?
0: Be seen and not heard. Exactly. Right? exactly.
1: And I think even as he was asking, he knew. What my answer would be, which was, no, that wouldn't be so good to have just a silent dinner. Mm-hmm. You really wouldn't get very many benefits from that. So, um, don't feel bad about breaking with the tradition of the family you grew up with. Just go ahead and talk at dinner.
0: And what are some of the challenges you've encountered with families trying to get that family dinner into their life? Style, yeah, basically?
1: yeah. There really seem to be the same challenges wherever I go with families across the country and through my work as a family therapist and also with the Family Dinner Project, getting to meet hundreds of families across the country. I've learned a lot of tips. I learned a lot of tips at this conference, actually, for many of these obstacles, Um, and I could mention a couple. That sure, absolutely. Have. I'm a
0: parent myself, and I have one, I know we're not supposed to call them picky eaters, Right. but one who is a challenge in the choices that she will make and eat at the table. Let's put it that way. So as many tips as you have, share on, share okay. on. <laughs> okay.
1: One place I would start is that selective, I don't like picky eating either, is a term, so we'll say selective eating. Um, it can be very developmental. So, kids between age four and eight kind of peak in their selectivity. And so, sometimes you can just wait it out mm-hmm. and not worry about it. Um, uh, so, other tips are not to talk about food much at the table. Um, there's a nutritionist named Ellen Satter who says it's parents' job to. Uh, Decide what to eat, to offer good healthy food, and uh, to pick a time and a place. And it's up to kids to, to decide whether to eat it and how much. And there really should be as little conversation about it as possible. Um, it's also not a great thing, and I'm sure you don't do this, to bribe or cajole kids, as tempting as that can be.
0: Yeah, eat um, your green beans, or you're not going to get your ice cream for dessert. Yes. Right,
1: so that is a to, tends to be a, a double whammy, where right. the ice cream is...
0: Now the good things, and, the, and good the green beans, beans are... Now a, the, eh.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, or
1: to say, eat your green beans, and you'll be a fast runner. Mm. Apparently, kids get very suspicious about that. How could this food be tasty and do this other thing? Mm-hmm. So that is also not a, not a great thing to do. So, probably the best thing is to model your own enjoyment of the food, um, to eat it with gusto, family style, um, as we did last night, which was so enjoyable. Other things are to um, encourage kids to become stakeholders mm-hmm. um, at any point. Um, to take them grocery shopping and have them pick out a mystery vegetable that you look up and you find a recipe that you can make, or have them uh, help you with make the dinner, or set the table, or clean up. Mm-hmm. Any way that they can be involved. Gardening, making, you know, planting herbs for the windowsill and having them snip and put it into the salad. Um, If they have a hand in it, they're much more likely to eat.
0: And I heard a person at our table last night share that, and her friend that was a nutritionist said, and this is something we do in our family too, is to have one thing that each person would eat. So making sure that, you know, they may not eat my particular child is a non, like doesn't like meat, like she's really adverse to meat. So I just make sure that we have other things that she she will have. So it's not like I have to be a short order cook, right? but I make sure that there's something on the table that each person is their preference, and we allow a, a no thank you, like, you know, a pass. Yes. yes. Yeah. So as long, in in my whole thought is like, as long as my kids are eating fruits and vegetables, it's going to be fine. So during our food prep, sometimes, which it seems when everyone's starving, is when you just start to get the pots out, and they can hear from any part of the room, the pots sitting down, and then all of a sudden we're starving. So I always have a vegetable tray, and I sit out the vegetable tray, and as we're prepping and everyone's starving, they're eating vegetables. So then, you know, if she passes on the the chicken we're having that night, I was like, well, she just ate like, you know, half the vegetable tray. I think we're going to be okay. that so takes some such, of that
1: pressure off. That her. is such a great... Attitude and strategy. I love that idea of having a tray that you pull out of the refrigerator in the pre dinner time
0: and you consider that part of the yeah. the dinner. Because sometimes families what they don't realize is it's not you know, the calories wise when you get nervous about that picky eating is not just what's at the dinner table. And you can count you know, all, all the snacks the kids have that day, and then it takes the pressure off that dinner time, yes. you can enjoy more conversation, that right. you're not worried about, you know, every little bite that they take, and it become that power struggle yes. that we can often have um, when we're talking to kids and food, when it comes to kids and food, that that pressure's off so we can build those relationships and that communication. Yes, that's really well said. So you touched on this a little bit, but I want to hear more about the Family Dinner Project. Can you tell us more about that and also your book, Home for Dinner? Sure.
1: The Family Dinner Project started in 2010, and it was the brainchild of a retired business executive named Shelley London, who was uh, studying uh, at Harvard. And she wanted to promote, to think of ways to promote moral development. And she thought Family Dinner would be a place to do that because it's one of the rare times that families come together and can talk about ethical issues. And she brought together a group of us who were all interested in the way that family dinner can um, champion food, fun, and conversation about things that matter Mm -hmm. and can uh, bring families together. And so we started to meet and created a website that has many free resources, including um, a newsletter, uh, dinner tonight that are budget friendly recipes that um, you can get every day with recipes, recipes that take less than 30 minutes and have fewer than eight ingredients. And each day there's a conversation starter and a game that you can play at the table. Um, and there are ideas for how to um, organize a community dinner or to get uh, teenagers involved in community projects that have to do with food. And beyond that, we do, beyond the online resources, we also work on the ground with families. Um, We go into schools and clinics and WISE and after school programs and homeless shelters and libraries and military bases. And we bring groups of families together. And we cook a meal together. We eat. We play games. We have a conversation. then one of us will meet with parents and uh, brainstorm uh, strategies for overcoming common challenges. And the parents will really learn from each other and inspire each other. And hopefully that will kind of jumpstart everybody's practice. Um, So that's been been a lot of fun. Um, We've done many, many of those and hope to do more.
0: And I love how you have the, the training Anytime you you want to do some training, I I work in the parent-to-parent program, so we provide parent workshops, and anytime that you can pair it with food, it seems like you you just get so much more response. People, once their tummies are full, then they're, you know, so it's so wonderful when we can do that. We often try to partner with the spaghetti night at school, so I just think that's such an excellent concept when you want to share some information, do a little bit of training, but also feed people at the same time.
1: Yes, Yeah. I mean, I was saying it's not about the food, but it's, it is also about the food. Right. I mean, you couldn't have a family dinner without right. the food. No one would come, Right. Um, and I was just actually reading a recent study that shows that um, it's easier to, for people to resolve conflict mm-hmm. when they're eating the same food. Hmm. So, they did a study where some were eating candy and some were eating pretzels, and they had a much harder time. Yep. come into resolution um, interesting yeah
0: interesting thank you for sharing that and thank you for joining us today oh. really appreciate you coming thanks to all our listeners for joining us today please like share and subscribe and we appreciate your comments questions and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about but thank you so much thank you i want to thank you again for listening to our podcast for the sake of the child We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.